are now locked in and listening to The Issue. This guy is a franchise quarterback, and no, I don't want to hear any pushback on that. It, it feels like a top 10 roster to me. It feels like it can win a championship. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is The Issue. It is Thursday, July 6th, and I am freaking pumped for this episode for a multitude of reasons, right? So number one, we're into July. We're getting closer to the NFL season. What does that mean? I'll tell you what that means. First week of divisional predictions this week. So we will have the NFC West to talk about. Favorite time of the year for the both of us on this show. I mean, we really have a lot of fun with these divisional predictions. It's it gives us a chance to, to look into the future a little bit, to, to examine each one of these teams game by game, week by week, and what we think will kind of transpire throughout the year. So really pumped for this episode. Um, also, it's a full football episode, all NFL football. Uh, so we are back to the, the full swing of things and how we like to do things here on the show. Also, we have some show news, right? So if you haven't seen on social media in the past week, we are releasing the Players Only Podcast, which will be coming to the Issue Sports Network on August 1st. So make sure you're going to our social medias there, theissuesports.com, checking everything out. Just wanted to get that out of the way now, right in the beginning while we have all of our viewers with us still. Um, but to go over the show for today, we will have Tim's rant to get us kicked off. Going to be talking about the Patriots and the, uh, the just the severe lack of talent. Uh, in New England, and then we're going to finish out the first segment there with hits and misses. Getting into the second segment will be our divisional predictions. So as I said, the NFC West, breaking down the entire division. Then we'll get into some superlatives, MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Breakout Player, and the Coach. Uh, so that'll all be there at home in the second segment. And then to round out the show in the third, we will have some sports news. And then, of course, a discussion on Justin Fields. But nevertheless, I am amped for today. No matter how you're joining us, you can see us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Prime Video, Amazon Music, uh, iTunes. So go down the list. We are there. Thanks for joining us today. I'm also pretty pumped. Happy late 4th of July for those out there. Hope you were safe. Had a good uh, holiday. So anyway, the New England Patriots, you know, most people think of them, you know, or the Cowboys, like America's team, whatever, right? So, you know, we'll talk about them today. Uh, they're crumbling right before our very eyes, and personally, I couldn't be happier about it. All the years of Bill Belichick's smug comments and on to Cincinnati and just getting beat by him and Brady over and over, it wears on you. I'm very happy to see them now, of course, taking a step back. It's a nice little switch up. And I already know what's going to happen you know, under this video, because I, because I, I'll preface this by saying I am gonna rip Bill Belichick in the Patriots a little bit, and I know what I'm gonna hear. Oh, but it, but he's got seven rings. What do you have? What do the Steelers have? Right? What, what, what does your favorite team have? Bill Belichick did this, 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 this. I agree. Bill Belichick's legacy, at the bare minimum, has him as a top, th- uh, top three all-time coach. The accomplishments, the culture he was able to build, defenses, the you know, the, the team success kind of helping mold one of, well, actually, I don't even want to say one of anymore, the best quarterback to ever play the game. I think he deserves a ton of recognition, ton of credit, obviously a Hall of Famer, probably top three of all time, like I said. But with that being said, I'd like to propose the other side of this argument. Remember, two things can be true at once, right? I can think that Bill deserves all that credit, and I can also say what I'm about to say. Uh, the Patriots signed Devontae Parker for three years, 30, $33 million, right? Very similar deal to, to uh, Juju. Um... That's weird. They're both nice receivers. Both would be 
average twos, closer to a really good three maybe. Here's what's interesting, right? With the offense's limiting factor being speed and playmaking, they've now signed two players who just don't separate. They're not explosive. They don't create plays on their own. They're, and, and they signed them well above their market value. Not only did you get a three, you paid them like a low-end one. But you did it twice. Not only did you do it once, you did it twice. Right? Both of them are system-dependent players, coaching-dependent players. They need the system to help get them open. I mean, literally, Devontae Parker is 132 of 132 in separation. Like, I'm talking dead last in the league according to, like, next-gen stats or whatever they use to track that. Like, I don't even think those... Are those receivers even top 10 to 15? No. That's, that's, that's not even an argument. They're not with uh, Tyreek Hill or a Devontae Adams, right? They're just not. I don't even think you'd put them in the second class with, like, a Tyler Lockett and a Deontay Johnson, Keenan Allen, right? They're not in that class. Would you even put them in the third class receivers, which is, like, a... Tyler Boyd, Gabe Davis class? No, I'd put him with like an Alan Lazard roughly maybe somewhere on there. I mean, again, just to go back to that stat, in the last three years, Devontae Parker, according to Next Gen Stats, has been dead last in separation. In 2022, he was 132 of 132. In 2021, he was 120, I want to say 7 of 127, and he was like 129 of 129 in 2022. Dead last three years in a row. It's not an anomaly. It's not, oh, oh, he had one down year. No, he had three. That's what he is. Right? That, that is the player he is. And it seems like the more control Bill Belichick gets, the more the Patriots go downhill. And this is where I tie it back to loving to watch Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots crumble. Let's go ahead and play a little game that we've played. Let's put up coaching resumes, and let's see how it shakes out. So let's go here, Coach 1 and Coach 2. So Coach 1 wins... Less than half his games. Playoff records one and two. His average, you know, ranking uh, offense in scoring is 17th in the league. His defense is 11th, so it was a bit of a defensive coach. Uh, the next one, the next coach, he wins uh, 64% of his games. Interesting. Much better than the playoffs. He's in the playoffs much more. He's 22 and 16. Average scoring offense is ninth. Average scoring defense is, again, 11. That's odd. Let's, let's reveal who they are. Oh, the one that wins 47% of his games. What do you know? Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. That's Bill's years in Cleveland. That's Bill's years post-Brady in New England. That's Bill's one year with Matt Castle when Brady was hurt. There's Bill. And the other coach is, of course, Andy Reid. And I think, I think we're viewing, you know, we view Andy Reid as like, oh, he's this offensive genius, but he's not Bill, right? He's, of course, he's not Bill. You're right, he's not Bill. I'd argue he's better than Bill. He's better than Bill. Is he better than... Bill with Brady, with McDaniels, with Randy Moss, and with a bunch of talent? Probably not. But is he better than Bill right now? Absolutely is. Okay, let's do this again. Let's do this again. So we'll keep Bill up on the on the, on the the one side here. Next coach wins, what, 63% of his games? A little bit under 500 in the playoff, but again, is in more playoff games. Average scoring offense is, is 15th, but average scoring defense is 9th, so a little bit better defensively, right? That's Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, who's viewed as, oh, he won with Cowers' team. And, and oh, if, if your argument is that he's only he's never been under 500, then that's not a real argument. Well, looks to me like he wins more, gets to the playoffs more. Better defensively, actually, believe it or not. Okay, okay, let's, let's do another one. Uh, this coach here wins 63% of his games, slightly above 500 in the playoffs. His average scoring offense is 6th, defense is 16th, so not quite as good defensively, but much, much better offensively. 
Who is that? That'd be future Hall of Famer Sean Payton. <laughs> Sean Payton, Super Bowls, Drew Brees, right? Saints were a high-powered offense for a while. That'd be Sean Payton. Okay, this one's going to really make people mad. Okay, this is the last one, I swear. See, the next coach, 61%, you know, winning percentage. Playoff record, again, slightly over 500. And in, again, in more playoff games, much more playoff games. Average scoring offense is eighth, so much better offensively. Again, 16th defensively, so not great. Who is that guy that stacks up actually pretty good against Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? What do you know? It's Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Everybody wants to run Mike McCarthy out of uh, out of Dallas. And I can hear an argument for let's make a change. But let's not act like Mike McCarthy's some sort of bum. I know he's had Aaron. Right? I know he's had Dak, who's a very competent quarterback. I get all that. But that's what he is. He's playing with the cards he's dealt in. Oh, what do you know? He's succeeding. Succeeding. And it, and it should be noted as well. People say, well, Bill's got, hey, since Brady's left, he's had Mac Jones. And, and in Cleveland, who did he have? Fair. Fair. But let's also look at who he's drafted. A bunch of nobodies. And let's also remember that he was the one that forced Brady out. He was the one that wanted Garoppolo in like 2015. Right? He was the one who was abrasive and eroded the relationship with Brady. And the primary reason Brady left, because he can't draft and develop offensive talent. Brady looked around and said, Jacoby Myers is my number one. He doesn't separate. And I like Jacoby Myers, but he doesn't separate. He's not the number one. Whose fault is that? None of them Bill Belichick's. So you can say, oh, well, you, you like to post these stats, but look at the talent he's had. It's his fault. I'm not giving him credit. I'm not giving him credit for dealing with a situation that he created. That's all on him. So you could say, oh, you know, it's a shorter sample size. It's 150 games. <laughs> like, not that small. I can't make Josh Allen punt in recent years. Like, and I'm not saying that Bill's not this legend. I'm not saying you should fire him immediately. But my point is, times change, right? Like, the NFL's not about history. If it's about history, we'll talk about baseball. Oh, there's still an argument for Babe Ruth over Shoei Otani. If we want to talk about history, we'll talk about baseball, Right? The NFL is, what are you going to do for me tomorrow? How do you help me win games tomorrow? Can we win this season? That's it. Nothing else matters in the NFL. And right now, Bill Belichick clearly does not have the answer for, can you help me win? Wow. I mean, somebody had to say it. Somebody had to say it. And um, the, what the, the game with the blind resume is really um, it's very revealing, very telling of the problems that have, have just been going on in New England and I, that was such a good rant. I don't, I don't have anything to add to it. No notes. No notes. But uh, all I can say is you did bring the energy today. Hey, appreciate brought it. Brought it today. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see if we can keep it up. We're going to go here. Hits and misses. I hit number one. There was a bunch of speculation that the Warriors, you know, Draymond Green could go to a a new team, I guess. You know, the, the Kings, the Blazers were interested. Uh, the Mavs, I think, made a couple calls. Um, but I said the Warriors are going to bring back Draymond. He's super valuable to that team. Uh, and he gets his longer-term deal, which he wanted, right? He was willing to take less per year, but he wanted more security. So he gets four years, $100 million. Uh, I actually like the deal. It's cheaper annually. And like I said, I think a happy Draymond Green is a useful, productive Draymond Green. He's he's very good defensively. He's a leader. Um, yeah, I, I like the move. Um, yeah, I mean, you know somebody I mean? that's going to give you that much production. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. I, I'm not going to act like I go in and analyze each and every game. Yeah. Um, but big, when you can keep a star in town. Yeah, big. Like, you know, he's only going to give you, I don't know, seven, eight a game. But it's the defense. Yeah. You know, the, the and he's a, he's a much better passer and offensive orchestrator than people think people give him credit for. So I agree with that. Draymond's back for $100 million. Mr. Moynier, 
Uh, so, <laughs> second time, we're going to do the NFC West predictions today. And so we took a look back at last year's, right? We're like, oh, we're curious. Well, what did we say last year, right? Um, this is one of our rougher divisions. I think we hit, we got the division winners, I think, what, six of eight or something like that? Five of eight? Yeah, six of eight. It was over 50%. Yeah. And we, I think we nailed two three, divisions. Three divisions we hit perfect. And then I think we had two more that were, like, mostly right. We had the first and last place team, couple switched yeah. in the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this was not one of those divisions. We had Seattle in last, and then we had like a four-win football team. Four they won 13. like what ten, I think. Um, we had the Rams in first at thirteen the, and four. Yeah, Arizona was in second at like nine and eight. We had the Niners at like eight and nine in third. Um, a total mess. A total mess. And this, I mean, this does go to show though. That's that's the NFL, right? People are like, oh, well, they were good last year. Or I'll hear, you know, we'll hear in the comments all the time, like, did you see Justin Fields last year? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Is it still 20? Is it, is it last year? It I'm, that's my bad. I, I thought it was 2023. Oh, oh it's going to be the 2023. Okay, right. So it's a completely different season, right? Yeah. Things happen. There's very few, like, constants, right? The top, like, 12 quarterbacks are going to be pretty consistent, right? Like, Kirk Eesh. Cousins. I don't even dad. know about that. I'd say maybe the top... Top seven to eight? Because after that, I mean, think about it. When we do our top ten quarterbacks, week in and week out, yeah. number nine and ten are well, there, there's flipping. a couple. There's a couple that, like, there's a couple that switch here and there. But at the end of the day, like, it's going to be a bunch of, like, Dak, Kirk Cousins. You're going to obviously have your Burroughs, Herberts, Allens, uh, Mahomes, maybe right? A, maybe a Derek Carr. A Derek Carr might sneak in there, right? Like, Russ, except for last year, is has been in their last decade, right? right you know, that's part Aaron of the Rodgers, right? There's a little bit of movement here and there. But at the end of the day... It's usually the same guys, yeah. but outside of that, the NFL is completely a crapshoot. It's it's you have no idea what you're getting. That's that's the fun of it though. It's really tough. Hit number two here. Uh, I've done this rant like twice, um, but I guess it needs brought up again. Uh, every time this player starts to go off, it's brought up again. But uh, Shohei Otani is easily the best baseball talent I've ever seen. I don't think it's I don't think it's particularly close. I said he's better than Babe. He's better than Ted Williams. Like outside of just pure hitting for average. Tony Gwynn might be better. Like, he just hit the ball where it's pitched. Pure yeah. hitter. But as an overall talent, Shohei Otani is much better. The power. He can run. Obviously, he can pitch. Um, I mean, he's been on a tear. This past month, he won uh, Player of the Month in the AL. He was in 394 with a 1.444 OPS. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, 15 home runs, 29 RBIs. He's uh, nuts. He's nuts. 100%. He is the best player in baseball right now. And... Did you see the thing on Statcast too? As of this, at this, this past week, I guess um, he has now surpassed Aaron Judge's home run record season. So oh, he is for now, on, like he's on pace for that. Yes. Yes. So like yeah. he he has surpassed the threshold that Aaron was at during at this exact point in time of that season. Yeah, he's at um, thirty one. He's at thirty one. I think right now it's insane. And it's insane. He's still you know striking people out left and right too at the same time, which is just ridiculous. Which I think we asked the question on the show, like if Judge gets paid, like if he got paid three hundred million, what do you pay what, Otani? Six? What I, I think I said six. I mean, he does double the double the work, double would the I, things. I mean, would you give him half a billion? I probably I I don't. Which is crazy. I don't even think I'd bat an eye to give him half a billion. Crazy. I mean, like, who's the last young player in any major sport to come in and be this good? Dominant. I would say Mahomes. Mahomes is the only one right now, to my knowledge, who has gotten a $500 million contract in in pro-American sports. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts. It's freaking nuts. Mr. number two here. Uh, I came on here saying that the Buccos would take Dylan Cruz, no doubt. Not, Not even they could mess it up, right? Like... Usually they find a way to mess it up. I'm like, oh, not even the Pirates can mess this up. You saw that mock draft I sent you? The reports are out. Yeah. Um, They are reportedly going to not. They're they're leaning towards not taking Dylan Cruz to save uh, signing bonus money. 
of course they will. It doesn't surprise me at all. I, I, I'm at a loss for wor- words and, and opinions really with this organization. I, I don't know what to say. They're just like you get your you get your crack and your shot at a first pick. I don't know. Take the best talent. It's, well, now they're looking at uh, what's his name, Max something, Max Clark from Mark Indiana. Smith, yeah. Look, I'm not saying he's not good, and I, I I'm not like I, I would be like. But do we need another bomb. outfielder? Do we need an outfielder? Yeah. I mean, right now, who's your outfielder? I mean, Ryan I would argue that pitching. I would argue that pitching is like equivalent to the quarterback position in baseball, and yeah. to like the football. If you're going to make that equivalent, and you should probably have your pitching staff nailed down. I would take Dylan Cruz. Another outfielder. I'm just yeah. saying. I don't know. I would. Skeens, I like Paul. Maybe Skeens. I like Skeens a lot. I'm not saying Max Clark isn't good. And we do need another outfielder, but it's like, I don't know, man. Take Dylan Cruz. He's the better outfielder. Like he's the better outfielder. I don't know. Hit number three here. Uh, I said when the Pens hired Dubas, I was like, good. They should have hired Dubas. Like, that's exactly what we need. And they need a change, right? We can't keep bringing the same people back. Oh, it's loyalty. We're bringing everybody. We got to be loyal, right? Like, changes and tough changes need to be made. That's kind of how you pivot from not making the playoffs and being not a losing franchise, but not living up to the standard of the franchise. Like, life moves on. You know, I'd love for Dumo to stay and be productive, but his time's passed. At the number he's at, the time is passed. I'm sorry, it is what it is. Same with Zucker. I'll miss them both, but it is what it is. Tough changes need to be made, and I'm glad Dubas is doing it. Well, let's not act like these two guys were, like, faces of the city, though, either. It's not like trading Malkin and Latang, right? It's not like getting rid of those I still two. think he should, and now, yes. I don't think I wouldn't rule it out that they, they, they trade Malkin. I'm just right. throwing that out there. Right, or Latang. I, I think both of them could go, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, Dumoulin and... <laughs> And Zucker don't have the same namesake in Pittsburgh. They're very nice players. They're, you like, can find a bunch of nice players on the market. Right. They're nice. And they players. haven't even been here for that long. So yeah, they're they're nice. Chill out. That's it. Miss number three here. Um, so out of the all the money bet in Vegas on New England, yeah, uh, over unders and like playoff um, success, ninety nine percent of the bets on New England are to either go over their their win total or make the playoffs. Huh. I don't get it. That and, is, and it's plus like it's plus two fifty. So I guess like it's worth your money, right? They're probably minus money, like yeah. three hundred to not. Yeah. So like I get it um, that you're trying to make money. That's the side you would take if you're gonna make money, right? Like the only side to really put it on. Uh, but I just don't understand that the, there's that much money on New England to succeed. <laughs> like who are we kidding? Who are they throwing the ball to? You just talked about it. Devontae Parker and Juju Smith. That's yeah, it. Yeah, those are some dudes. No, <laughs> is Nelson Aguilar? No, I don't even think Nelson Aguilar is on the team anymore. Kendrick Bourne, two tight ends that don't separate, like a decent offensive line, but that's it. And I don't. Mac Jones, baby, cannon arm Mac. Not my, not my bag, but that's uh, there's miss number three here. <laughs> that is hits and misses, guys. Make sure you don't go anywhere. We have the very coveted, the long awaited, oh, the yeah. very first NFL divisional predictions. We have the NFC West coming up. Don't go anywhere. Welcome in. Ladies and gentlemen, women, men, kids, pets, goldfish, it's a second segment. It is the first installment of our divisional predictions of 2023, our fourth edition. We argued during the break. I thought it was third. You said it was fourth. It ends up being our fourth installment of divisional predictions. We go division by division. We give you first, second, third, and fourth place. We also give superlatives because we're just better than everybody else. It just is what it is. Um, And we, of course... We do the same order. I don't know why we picked it the first time. The first time we ever did it, we picked our order, and we have <laughs> stuck with it. And that starts with the NFC West. That is, of course, out west in the NFC. We will then do AFC West. 
This is eight weeks in a row, starting right now, to lead us into the NFL season. Here we go, NFC West. For those who are new to the show, we always start at the bottom of our list, so this one will be the fourth place team, the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. We have them. I view them, to be honest with you, as a three-win team. If Kyler comes back around week nine or ten like people think he could, I could see being they a might six be able to squeak to out seven some win wins. team. Maybe. Maybe a six. To, I think any game Kyler plays in, you have a chance to win, and he's that talented. Right. But here's why I have them as a three-win team and why I predict them not winning six, seven, maybe eight games, right? Is because even if Kyler comes back, or even if Kyler comes back in week ten, they'll win seven, eight games. But here, that's the thing. That's a big if. I don't think he'll come back. I think by about week ten, they'll be two and eight, maybe roughly, like two, two, two and eight. I think is yep. realistic when I he comes back. That. And I can see the owner and the GM and the new coach. It's an entire new new staff that didn't draft him, didn't develop him. Right. I can see them saying, you know what, Kyler, thanks for your services. Kyler definitely got a market. You cannot tell me in a league that is so quarterback centric. You're telling me Washington wouldn't make a call. You're telling me Tampa, if they're if Tampa's not in the sweepstakes next year, they wouldn't make a call. Yeah. Atlanta, if they win seven games, they're not making a call. Yep. Right? So I would not be surprised if the owner says, Kyler, sit this one out. They move Kyler Murray, and they use the number one or number two pick to go get one of the generational quarterback prospects that we view as Drake May and Caleb Williams next year. I think that's what I they should do. I view that they will be bad for the first half and tank the second half sitting Kyler Murray out. I think that's what they should do. I mean, they need to worry about the future, and like we said, your future isn't with Kyler. I um, agree. So here's the thing, though. Their schedule isn't impossible to the to the average team, but let's keep in mind the Cardinals – are a below average team. Well, like they start with the Commanders and they start with the Giants, which could get people in Arizona a little inflated if they were to somehow beat those two teams. Because I mean, would it shock you if the Commanders sunk down to their level, and would it shock you if the Giants were horrible to start? Absolutely not. I don't even know who's going to start in Arizona. Is Colt McCoy still? I have no idea. But then it gets very, 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 very tough. I mean, it starts to ramp up a little bit with the Cowboys, and then you get 49ers, then you get the Bengals, then you get the Rams, then you get the Seahawks. Battle through your division one time. And then you have to play the Ravens. So, I mean, like, then that's when that's all... That's five when, straight losses. Yes. So, when, when, if and when Kyler comes back, that's one, two, three, four... That's two four, and seven. Or two and five, sorry. Two you're and probably five. two and... Yeah. That's, that's even if you give them the first two wins, I think they probably go one and six. And you're being inserted right into a really, really tough part of the season. Like, I just don't... I don't see it happening. No. I don't see it happening for Arizona. Like I said, I think they probably will end up sitting Kyler out. Who knows? And from his standpoint, is he going to come back to a... Seven eight loss team as somebody who's already injury prone and and go get kicked around a little bit. I don't think so. No. Number three, uh, Seattle Seahawks. I think they take a step down. I still think they are. I view them as a winning football team. I think they're nine and eight. Yeah. Um, I do think they take a step back though slightly. I think defense overachieved. Um, can they do it again? Maybe. But I also think the division is going to get better. I view the Rams as a better football team tomorrow. As long as Stafford's healthy, I think San Francisco, depending on their quarterback situation, is a very good football team. Um, But Seattle, I think we would expect Geno Smith to kind of come back down to earth a little bit. He was good. Do I see him being the best season of his career again? Definitely not. I don't. I think I see him taking a step. He was a very B-plus quarterback. I see him taking a step down to maybe a a B-minus quarterback. I can see that. And I think that's enough to cost him a win. They were 10-7. and Like, I only have them regressing one win. It's not that bad. Yeah, so they have... But I think division gets better, so they drop to third. And we also have them splitting with every team in their division. Yeah, we have them splitting, except for Arizona. So we have them going 4-2 and in division. They're going to split with San Fran and the Rams. Yeah, so... Uh, And and then they beat Arizona twice like they should. And I mean, their schedule is kind of interesting, too. We go through it, and there's, there's some teams that 
or some games that could go either way, right? I mean, like, you talk, tell me Seahawks, Titans, late season, right? Mike Vrabel's a genius yeah, head coach. that's a coin flip game. You're going to be able to, um, you got even Seahawks, Ravens. A little to me, depending on, on the health of the, the Ravens, that's a coin flip game as well. Yeah, Seahawks-Browns. I, I could see the Browns also surprising a little bit if Deshaun's playing. I think the Pittsburgh game's interesting. Right? I think don't the we, Pittsburgh don't we play game them? is Yep, it'd yeah. be uh, December 31st. That's that one to me is interesting. Game. That That's an interesting football game. Yes. The, in Seattle, by chance? It is in Seattle. Right, so that's that's very interesting. New Year's going to be a very, very, you know, I hate to use the word hype, but it's going to be a hype atmosphere, right? right? Pittsburgh, a young football team going on the road. I think we view Pittsburgh as a more talented team. But you're going but on you're the going road, cross country. Yeah, cross country. Cross that's country. a that's a tough game. So it's a that's a coin flip game for me. Leaning Seattle, maybe tough to say though. Uh, all right, number two here. I think the Los Angeles Los Angeles Rams are going to be one of the more improved football teams in the league this year. Uh, ten and seven. They feel like a ten win team to me. Here's the thing: when you have a future Hall of Fame coach already as like what he's like forty and Sean McVay, right? a young yet already almost a lock to make the Hall of Fame coach and Sean McVay, right? Very, very good uh, offensive mind. And you have a, I think many would view Stafford as a top 8 to 10 quarterback. I'm not saying he's top 5, but when he's he top on 10. And he's healthy. He's absolutely. healthy. He's a top 10 quarterback yes. all day. I find it hard to believe in a coach quarterback league that when you have a top 3 coach and a top 10 quarterback, you're, you're going to win games. Cooper Cup's a fantastic sure. receiver. Um, Van Jefferson's a, a good 2 to 3 receiver, right? They have a decent tight end group. Like, I think the Rams have enough talent to do it. And again, this is mostly inhingent upon the coach-quarterback combo, though. For sure. For sure. I just can't foresee people of that echelon of talent being bad two years in a row like that. Yeah, it doesn't happen all that often. And their schedule is a rather easy one outside of, I'd say, two or three games, right? I think the Bengals will be will be tough. The Bengals, Ravens, the Eagles, Steelers. Eagles will be tough. I guess you could put the Ravens in that category, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll, be fa- they'll be favored in 10 or 11. They'll probably lose one of those, and they'll win a they don't game have that a, they're... They don't have a ridiculously hard schedule that I think they could like fall no, like they did no, last year. They'll they'll win 8 out of the 10 games they're favored in, mm-hmm. and they'll probably then sneak a win or two in on a, on a game they're underdogs in. Puts them at a 9 or 10 win team. I view them yeah. as a 10 win team. 10 and 7 for the Rams. Fair enough. Finally, in first place here, the San Francisco 49ers. I think... This goes without saying. This is probably the most talented roster easily in this division. You could argue the whole the whole NFL. Um, I mean, they have an All Pro player at every level, right? Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, uh, George Kittle at tight end, Debo Samuel at receiver, Trent Williams in the offensive line, Nick Bose on the defensive line, Fred Warner in the linebacker group. Oh yeah. In the secondary, you have uh, Talanoa Hufunga, right? Like at every level of their, even their special teams go. Like, isn't hasn't Robbie Gold been a really good kicker for the past like I don't know decade? Yeah, they're loaded. Well, like like they have an All Pro, a first team All Pro level player at every single position. But where's the question mark? The quarterback, right? There and that's is. why I think a lot of people feel like eleven wins feels a little bit low. Um, yeah, I think they start zero two though. Like, they go to Pittsburgh. That's a tough start, right? I think we have them starting like two and three, two and four, something like that. Like they have a very tough early schedule, and historically, San Francisco teams start slow, especially if we don't know who their quarterback is. Brock Purdy hasn't been able to get first-team reps, at least effective ones, with his arm. He's got a throwing issue uh, with his elbow, right? And Sam Darnold, right? Has he been taking reps? Either way, whether you're starting an injured Brock Purdy or a Sam Darnold, I don't love their chances in the first month or so of the season. Yep. But then you look at the back half of their schedule, I think we have them ripping off like nine straight to go in the playoffs, much like they did this past year. So it's not like it's a crazy thing to to insinuate that they're going to win a lot of games in a row at some point in time. I agree. They're probably going to they're probably going to finish the season with at least six straight wins. 
right? Like they're a good football team. It feels like a first place team. It feels like a first place roster. Easily. I think if they can get their quarterback situation figured out within the first two months, I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I mean, like you said, opening with the Steelers is tough, and then they have the Rams, and that's the one that we have the Rams winning. So we have them splitting those two teams. I think that's the one um, in Los it, Angeles. It is in Los Angeles in early September, and then so they start zero and two, and then this is where we see them. They beat the Giants, they beat the Cardinals, and then there's that toss up game with the Cowboys, right? Because it's early season. Yeah, you're assuming the Cowboys aren't banged up yet because it's only Week Five. So I mean, and you still don't. We don't know 100 so what's the quarterback point, situation going to be. Uh, yeah, yeah, are people bouncing around? Because I mean, Trey Lance hasn't looked good in practices either. So no. now you're two and two. You're going in. You're playing the Cowboys at home. You get them at home at least. But then you have to go cross country to to Cleveland the next week. Yeah, that that to me that's a toss up game. And then you come home for a little bit, and then you go right back to to Minnesota in the same week because they're going to come back to the 49ers practice facility. I'm assuming now is that, not is, that the go. Prime, is that the prime time game? With? That is the prime time game. See now, like Kirk thank God it's Kirk Cousins' prime right. time, but that's still not an easy football game by any stretch of the imagination. But then you come back home for the Bengals, and then you go to Jacksonville. Well, like they have and who some knows tough what Jacksonville is going to be? Right. Now, now we have the 49ers winning that game when we discussed it just because of the run game and just Jacksonville I, I guess just doesn't have the road grade ability of the 49ers right yeah, they just, just they're just going to run you through a wall the 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 veteran toughness yet a very young yeah. football team young football teams especially the Niners come in big veteran running attack yep. clever head coach like next thing you know they're up 10 and it feels like they're closer to, t- up, to up 20 you know yeah. what I mean like it's like when the Chiefs are down 10 you're like oh it's a tie game right, right. it's like right. when when Baltimore in Lamar's MVP season when they're up 7 and they can just run the football you're like okay this game's pretty much over even yeah. though they're up a score right same thing with San Francisco they're up 10 that, that game's probably done you know for sure, for sure. and then the, two weeks after that they have the Eagles two weeks after that they have the Ravens and then two weeks after that they have the Rams again so it's a I mean, like, schedule, yeah, but it's I think, not a cakewalk. Yeah, so eleven and six, borderline to me feels generous. Like they're going to be somewhere on ten and seven, eleven and six. Like this division is going to kind of beat itself up. They're going to be roughly evenly spaced. Yeah, uh, I you agree. can kind of see the standings here on your screen. We have the full list: Arizona at three and fourteen, Seattle at nine and eight in third place, the Rams at ten and seven in second, and finally San Fran just a tick above at eleven and six to win the division. God, that felt good. As the NFC West, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but if you Want to come back next week, AFC West time. Can't so wait. that's that's Chiefs, that's Broncos. Yeah, it's, it's gonna the be Raiders. Yeah, it's gonna Chargers, be fantastic. Yeah. Jay Herb and the Chargers. Um, so yeah, but now it's time to kind of go over some of the top players, right? So who are gonna be the dudes in this division that that really shake things up this season? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna do uh, the superlatives, right? So it's gonna be kind of giving you guys a gauge, a little temperature gauge on. Who are the best players? Who are the most impactful players in the division? So we're going to go, we're going to have the MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, right? Those are, you know, basic, you know, and Coach of the Year. Those are basic awards uh, that the entire league is given out, right? And then uh, the breakout of the year. This could be a rookie coming to breakout. This could be a guy, maybe a second-year guy that you see is going to, you know, blossom into a top 10, 15 guy, you know? Yeah. Um, give you a little hint, this one's going to be a rookie, but you get the point. So the, uh, the superlatives, we're going to start with the MVP. So MVP of the division now, a lot of people will give this to just the flat best player. I think then you're missing the point of most valuable player, MVP. Yes. Uh, And so to me, we discussed this, the most valuable player in this division is Matthew Stafford. That was evident. If Matthew Stafford is healthy, the Rams are a 9, 10, maybe even 11 win football team. Super Bowl competing team. 
they are at bare minimum a playoff team. Without him, is it what a six-win team? Yes. I mean, you saw them this past year where they went five, six games. Yep. Because they didn't have Stafford for most of of the season, right? Yep. Uh, so Matthew Stafford is the most valuable player in the division. Is he the best? Is he gonna put the best statistical numbers? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, most valuable, absolutely. We say it all of the time on the show. If you want to see somebody's value, take them away from the situation, and then all look the at time. what happens to the team, to the organization after they're gone. That will be a true test of someone's value. We saw that happen last year, and the Rams crumbled. So we thought about it. You can't really pinpoint a player on any of these other teams in this division where their absence would be, like, catastrophic to the team. We've seen the 49ers deal with injuries. They have so much depth, it doesn't matter. All the time. Um, And Geno Smith isn't, like, that crazy world-beater You can put in any other B-minus. Exactly. Put Daniel Jones, who I think is more of a C-plus quarterback. And the system will run itself. I think he would still be a very manageable quarterback, right? Really good so. running game, offensive lines, but pretty good. Three really, really nice weapons. I think so. Okay, offensive player of the year. Uh, I don't want to say no-brainer, but Christian McCaffrey feels like a bit of an obvious pick. Yep. Um, look, I think within his first two games, he threw a touchdown, ran a touchdown, <laughs> caught a touchdown. Like, like he does everything. Uh, what he's able to do on the football field is – Dynamic, right? You could line them up in the slot. You could line them up out wide. You could yeah. handle the ball between the tackles, jet sweeps, motions, whatever. Even if he's not touching the football, he's a fantastic decoy, right? He can block a little bit out of the backfield, right? He has a little bit of everything. Now, can he stay healthy? We'll see. We'll see. He did last year. Yeah. And if he does, to me, he's the best offensive player in the division. I don't want to say by a long shot, but by a pretty good chunk. And I'm excited because this is going to be the first season that we get to see him with a full offseason, OTAs, everything with the 49ers, really gear up, learn the playbook even more. I mean, I can only imagine that being inserted in, in, into a new NFL team halfway through the season is going to be weird. It's got to be right? tough. And it's going to yeah. be really hard to learn the new playbook, learn the new system, learn that everything's new. So now you get time to learn and really get the classroom studying uh, stuff out of the way. That way, you roll right into the season, you're ready to go. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, at the end of the day, the Niners told you how much they they value Christian McCaffrey. When uh, Brock Purdy was out of the playoff game, they started snapping the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Yes, like actually snapping the football to a running back. Yeah, he would have been my number two for an MVP, but he was up there. Yeah. All right, defensive player of the year. Uh, I think we're gonna stay with the Niners here. Nick Bosa. I I mean, look, he's consistent, like 15 sacks a year. Crazy. Now Aaron Donald's up there, but I, did the pass rushing numbers aren't what they once were. Could they return yeah. to? To you know, to prominence, yes, he could. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Nick Bosa, first of all, in his prime, wildly athletic. Right, we have seen the edge rusher kind of take over in football in terms of pass rushing. He used to be the big defensive lineman, right? Reggie White, Aaron Donald, right? Now I think it is more of a Nick Bosa, T.J. Watt. Like that's kind of what's working in the NFL. Right. Uh, so he's in his prime. The the game's moving towards him. Right? He's a 15 sackier type guy, and it can't be underlooked or overlooked, I guess, that the amount of other good players on that front means that you can't physically double him every time. Yes. Right? You just can't. Yeah. Aaron Donald, like, who else was rushing the passer? Like, you can double him a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like, Nick Bose is going to get one-on-one looks, and I think he's going to be able to capitalize on a lot of those. Yeah, it has now turned into who can, who do you have that can beat their left tackle. Um, yeah. It's yeah. really come down to that, and, and I think that's why – we he, we have him at a defensive player of the year slot because it's such an important position. I mean, like we've seen that cover up holes for so many teams with bad secondaries. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a great example. Pittsburgh has no corners. I mean, we have aging corners and then a Joey Porter Jr. who's going to be a rookie this year. Yeah. Right. You have big holes in the secondary. What covers that up? A fantastic pass rush. So I think Nick Bosa here is a is a 
perfect fit. All right, breakout player, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think when you have Tyler Lockett as more of a, I don't want to say gadget, but more shifty, you know, very vertical threat. D DK Metcalf, who can also get vertical, yeah. uh, more of like a possession receiver as well, can go up and, and high point the football. I think a perfect slot receiver, very good route runner, good hands, good after the catch. Jackson Smith and Jigba fits into the offense really, really well. Good run game, so he's not going to be relied upon a ton. He's going to be able to come in catch 60 passes, you know, 800 yards or whatever, six touchdowns, and be a very, very good three, arguably the best three in football, I think. I really liked the pick when it happened, and I think yeah. he has his way to start as a three and maybe work his way up that receiver chain here as I, the season goes on. I think he has the talent to be better than Tyler Lockett and become their two. I don't know if he's as physically gifted as DK Metcalf, I mean, who but is? he could be very, that's true, he could be <laughs> very productive, he could be productive enough to be a one, though. Yeah, I think so. I think in, and I don't know if he stays in Seattle long term, but I mean, in any other system, I think he could go be a one. Not, there's like a select a few two, teams, a, obviously, a two, like the yes. Jamar Chases, the Justin Jeffersons of the world. Yeah, but like eighty percent of the league don't don't have those guys. Yeah, I would agree. All right, coach of the year, I think Sean McVay. I think he. Yes, they're going to be ten and seven. They, I think they'll vie for the division. They could also end up in third. It wouldn't surprise me. But my point is, I think they are going to be a winning football team. I think they're going to win double digits, and I think he's going to do that with the least talented roster of those top three. I think we can all agree that Arizona is going to be in the basement. Mm -hmm. But with Seattle, the Rams, and San Francisco, I think he's got the least talent on the roster, but he's going to be able to do the most with it. Yeah. I think, to me, that's the mark of really, really good coaching. They're going to be fantastic situationally, dynamic offensively, right? So that's the mark of a very good coach, Sean McVay, from East Coach of the Year. I love it. And he's been so dominant, and, you know, we've talked about it multiple times on the show. What other coach do you know that you could just walk up to and be like, hey, in 2014, when you were the tight ends coach for the Washington football team, or I guess at the time the Redskins, um, what play did you run on third and 15 with seven minutes left in the third quarter? And he'll be able to exactly. tell you the exact play, like every single player that was on the field, what happened, what was the result, and what broke down without seeing the film in years. It's, it's insane. insane. Uh, the football mind on Sean McVay is enough to put him in the number one slot here, and he is. There you go, guys. There's Perlow. is Matt Stafford's MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey, Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, the breakout, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie from Ohio State, and Coach of the Year, Sean McVay of the Rams. Guys, don't go anywhere. We're going to have a really, really good sports news segment and a little bit of a discussion on Justin Fields and what's to come for the Chicago Bears. Let's go. Third segment of the issue on Thursday, July 6th. And still riding that wave from uh, the first divisional predictions in this last segment that we just finished out. So we just did the NFC West. Felt so good to get back into it, start predicting Amazing. what this season of football is going to look like, right? I was telling Tim before we came on to do the predictions, it's, like, it's time to put last season in the past, right? No more talk about 2022. No more talk, no more analyzing, you know, what happened last year. Now we're putting on the glasses, looking into the future, and trying to see what these teams um We'll do this season in the 2023 NFL season, starting in like nine to ten weeks, which is freaking awesome. Uh, but guys, this segment is going to be pretty good too. We have the news, so we're going to go over the biggest stories in sports, and then we'll round things out with a little discussion on Justin Fields, the Chicago Bears, kind of the organization as a whole. It's gonna it's gonna be a good one. I would agree. Uh, so yeah, we'll try, without further ado, let's get into the news. You want to get into some news now? Let's just do the news. Yeah, All right, sounds good to me. Yeah, let's just do the news. Um, and let's start with the most American story on this beautiful 4th of July week. Obviously, it is now the 6th, but we just had the 4th of July. Again, hope you guys are safe. But you know what happens on the 4th of July. 
the world is it world famous? I don't know. It's certainly United States the famous national eating hot dog. Nathan's hot dog eating competition. Yeah. Joey Chestnut wins his 16th title. Didn't break his PR, but he ate like I don't know 62 hot dogs. It was like 13 more than that. It's like it's like comical. It's 13 more or something like that than the next person. Now I'm not saying that there's like you know that I would expect. I'm like I'm, I'm not saying that I could get up there and get closer than that. But you're telling me that like other professional like eaters. We're 13 away from this guy. This is like, like nobody's even close. This is like the Patrick Mahomes of hot dog eating. Okay, so now now this this begs the question. I saw there was a, the picture of him walking up after the rain delay, like yeah. walking. First of all, hilarious picture. Like the security guards looking, like people in the stands are like, oh my. And Joey Chestnut's just game day look on his face. And somebody said like this is the equivalence of like Tiger walking up to like the Masters, right? <laughs> or like this is like the LeBron James or like Patrick Mahomes of hot dog eating. And it got me thinking like, yeah, I guess of hot dog eating. But like, are we considering this like a sport now? Is that like what's happening? <laughs> I don't just think so. Is, is it on? Just because it's on ESPN look, does not mean it's a sport. No, no, it doesn't. But like at the end of the day, I mean like poker's on ESPN. I wouldn't classify that as a sport i don't know um, at least that's a game i mean i guess there's a competition yeah so i mean like in a I way know. i guess it could kind of be and let's take a second like how many like oh, i feel like a it's larger really percentage impressive. of the population can play football than can eat hot dogs at that rate right i mean how hard is it I have I, no not idea. just hot dogs but i've seen this guy everywhere recently let me just tell you Rewatching some of uh, Hell's Kitchen, fantastic show by the way. Uh, he was on Hell's Kitchen, just gumming down chicken wings. It was crazy. I'm not surprised. I wonder how many chickens. So I mean, think think about like the volume of, of a Nathan's hot dog, right? I'm looking it up. It's gotta be there. Sixteen of them. Yeah. I'm sorry, sixty-two of them. Sixteenth title. The hot dogs are about that big. Don't tell me until after I talk. All right. How many chicken wings do you think he could eat? So in my head, one hot dog's got to be worth about two to three chicken uh, chicken wings. So I'm going to go with like 120 chicken wings in a sitting. He holds the How world, low am I? He holds the world record for 70 hot dogs, right? He holds the world record for 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. A hundred A hundred and fifty-one hard-boiled eggs in eight minutes. Wait, did you 40, say 100 and what? 151 hard-boiled eggs in 8 minutes. 47 grilled cheese sandwiches in 10 minutes. And 121 Twinkies in 6 minutes. Wow. Okay, see, I want to throw <laughs> something out athlete. there. That's an athlete. That's an athlete. I want to throw something out there. I did predict the, the amount of chicken wings correctly. I just didn't do my math correct. I said there's three chicken wings to every hot dog. And his record is roughly 60-ish hot. That would put me at 180. But for some reason, I only doubled it. Am I stupid? 182 chicken wings in 30 minutes. That's just insane to me. 151 hard-boiled eggs. Think about looking at 151 hard-boiled eggs. That'd be tough to look at, let alone eat, in eight minutes. How big of a room would you need for it to cover the entire floor? If You, you would have him, to have a them, dude. If you put them like... On end next to each other. I don't know. I don't know, but you would have to have like a dude next to you with a cart and just, whoosh, whoosh, just yeah, like a conveyor like, belt you know, system like, going yeah, right to I him. Guess. Weird. Story, I don't know. Story number two here. <laughs> Mike Trout to the IL with a hand fracture. So it was on a, it was on a normal looking swing. I think he just kind of his hand like slipped on the bat in, in an awkward way. Either way, he breaks his handmate bone uh, in his hand. It's closer to your like your wrist. It's not a very comfortable bone to break, so that's the problem. Uh, now, technically, right now he's on the ten-day IL. I think he'll probably miss closer to like tw- like two to three weeks, probably at the very least. Yep. 
it's a weird bone to break and it's going to be tough to kind of feel it out on your way back so not ideal can do you think that the angels can kind of withstand this time without mike trout uh, it's going to be really tough i mean mike trout is a big contributor you always count on him. And when you're talking about, like, the best player in the sport, pretty much, I mean, let's say he's I at mean, least Shohei, top three. Shohei, top then yes. Three to five. Thank God they have the number one player. Right. Or else they'd really be screwed. Yes. And that Charles, does Charles help. definitely a top, at at lowest, ten. But you season. hate to lose him. You hate to lose him. It's not good. Uh, and their pitching hasn't been very good either, so now the offense really going to have to pick up the, uh, pick up the slack. And, and, of course, they're missing one of their top guys to pick up that slack. Yeah, coming from somebody that I, I actually dealt with a lot of wrist stuff in playing baseball, like towards the end there, um, and it was it was tough. I mean, it, the grip strength on the bat is yeah. affected. Everything's affected. You take a yeah. swing, and on the back swing, it's like, oh, that one felt weird, but then the next three feel okay, but then you take a swing. Yeah. It's just all, it's all like... There's a really lot. There's a lot that could go wrong it's in a baseball like, swing, throwing. Yeah. Like it's not like a normal injury where it's just like, oh, we've rehabbed this and you know it feels fine. So we were, it's like really it like nags. Yeah, yeah. Uh, story number three here: Damian Lillard, the guard in Portland, the Portland Trailblazers, a uh, longtime point guard, eleven years in Portland, has requested a trade. Um, now this, there's been rumors about him, you know, leaving Portland for I don't know, two, three years now. Um, finally, he requests the trade. Miami is the betting favorite, and he has announced that he wants to go to Miami. Yeah. Look, the thing is, Miami doesn't have anything to offer back. They just have a bunch of guards. And right now, Portland has a ton of young guards. Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp, uh, Anthony Simons, right? Like, they have a ton of young guards. So, like, what are you going to give them? Tyler Hero and Picks? It's like they already have a bunch of guards. In my head, that you probably have to include a third team. Like, the Nets, for example, have, like, 20-something picks over the next five years. You could get the Nets and, and say, hey, the Nets, take Tyler Hero and two picks. And then the Nets cobble up some picks, maybe a bench player, and send that to Portland. Portland can start their rebuild. Then Portland sends uh, Dame, of course, to Miami. I don't know. It's not just super straightforward. Oh, yeah, Tyler Hero for Dame. Like, nobody's going to do that. Uh, Dame's an all-time player. Tyler Hero, more of a rotational bench player type guy. So it, it's interesting to see. I don't know. I, I hope Dame goes to somewhere where he can win. He's been not in a place he can win for 11 years and he deserves to win but we'll see yeah Miami's a hot spot too especially who doesn't yeah. want to go to Miami yeah I want to go to I'll just go to Miami yeah, I, I, I want to go to Miami, Miami yeah. yeah I'd love to live in Miami you know why not especially in a winter league when it's snowing when you get off the bus at 3am from Milwaukee like yeah it'd be cool to be in Miami yeah 100% go hit the beach like yeah know. that'd be nice yeah that'd be nice um Speaking of not Miami and a cold kind of in that Midwest region, the Chicago Bears. Let's talk a little bit about Justin Fields. Yeah, so I saw the stat, right? The Justin Fields, despite all you know all the shortcomings, had actually uh, the best and you know the, the highest touchdown to interception ratio against playoff teams last year. Let's actually let's, let's look into that. What's the context of it? So he had an eleven to one touchdown interception. That's pretty good. It's seven games against those playoff teams. Again, 11 touchdowns, one pick. It's pretty good, I have to admit. And, and he's not thought of as a pure passer. Right? I feel he's more of a definitely a dynamic play, playmaker. That's That goes without saying. Really good with the legs. And uh, he can make some throws, especially the downfielder. Got a big arm, right? It's there. I worry more about the layups. Can he hit the the swing pass? Can he hit the slant? Can he can he throw a really nice fade ball in the end zone when you need it, right? Like Ben and A.B. were always classic for that ben they just look at each other boom beautiful fade to the back pile right can he make those plays that i'm not saying that those are layups for me for for luke for anybody that is not an NFL quarterback an NFL quarterback needs to make those throws those are the ones i worry about so in those seven games the team was one and six 
One and six. I'm not saying he's working with a ton of talent, but one and six. I love this, the stats and all this. That's great that you put up these numbers. Are you winning games? At the end of the day, you have to win football games. Right, and I, I don't think he's the prospect of Andrew Luck. I, th- I think that goes without saying. But people say, oh, he had nothing to work with. Andrew Luck went to Indianapolis. I would argue right now that Indianapolis roster when Andrew Luck got there was just about as bad, if not worse, than this Chicago roster. 11-5, and 11-5, and 11-5 in his first three years. Andrew Luck was that guy. I'm not saying that Justin Fields can't be that guy. I'm not saying that we need to hold Justin Fields to the, to the standard of Andrew Luck. But you got to win games, right? You are brought into this league, yes, to be a very, very dynamic playmaking quarterback. Absolutely. To help you win games, right? So now Lamar is a more realistic comparison. Now I know Lamar's got a more stable franchise, more talent, but Lamar's winning 80% of his games when he's healthy. 80%. And so then you look at those seven games again, and you let's say, let's put some more context into them. Two of those seven games, he completed 50% or less. Again, that's my concern. 50% or less. That is, those are JV numbers. In another two, you know, in a different two games, he completed 65% or less. Now, getting slightly better, slightly better, but one of them was like right at 60, the other one was at like 64. You have to be able to complete throws. Yes, Justin played well in those games, but my concern with him has never been, can he put up numbers? It is, can he hit the swing? It's the consistency. It's the, hey man, can you not go to Houston and throw two picks and complete 47% of your throws? Can you not complete 33% of throws against a bad defense in Detroit? And put up a whopping 75 yards in that game. Yes, that happened. Go look it up. Like, I do think Justin Fields is going to work to some degree in the NFL. But let's realize that he's not even close to being a competitive, NFL-ready thrower of the football. It's just not there yet. Can he get there? Sure. But is he more of an athlete and more of a playmaker right now than an actual good NFL quarterback? Yes. He is not ready to be a competitor, th- competitive thrower of the football. Right? People always talk about Jared Goff, this, Jared Goff, that. Jared Goff's a very, very good NFL quarterback. If you said right now, for the next two years, who would you want, Jared Goff or Justin Fields? I would take Jared Goff. It's not even all that close. Like, Justin Fields is getting there. Could he be there? And that's why I said for the next two years. Could, could he get there in three to five years? Absolutely. Yes, he could. But you cannot go to Houston and complete 47% of your throws. You cannot go to Detroit in a dome and complete 33%. You can't do it. it you have to be better than that. You just have to be. And Justin Fields even is, like, he's boosted a little bit by a weaker division as well. I mean, it's now that Aaron is left. Yeah. Right now you have you have Kirk Cousins and the Vikings who are very hit or miss. I mean... They, I'd say they're a very average NFL team. They go from being really, really hot to, to, like, freezing cold. Yeah. The Lions are rebuilding, so now you have something else to look out for now that Aaron's gone. But, I mean, it's still not, like, top-of-the-league division strength. No. So, like, you should be winning, I would it's, say, it's a majority of, the of the, your divisional games. You if should you are at supposed least to, split. You should at least go 3-3. Three and three. If you're supposed to be, like, the franchise guy and this great quarterback, you need to win in your division. You can't win three games last year, I'll tell you that. You cannot win yeah. three games. Yeah, it, it was bad. And so now here, here's the good news, right? They have some talent, right? They, they brought in a couple backs. They have DJ Moore now. They have Chase Claypool. They have Darnell Mooney. Still, like, I'm not saying that's a top 10 receiving core, but that's a top half of the league, very viable top three receivers. Good backs. Offensive line's improving. You're always going to have a fairly football. good defense, right? Like, And Justin is going to help that run game as well, but, like, 
you're they're not at this point devoid of talent like they were two years ago. This is a much better football team than they were when Justin first got there. So we'll eventually get to it in the NFC North when we do that. But if you were to just give me your thoughts on what the season's going to look like for Chicago right now, like. Give me like some sort of a record, and I'm not asking for anything specific, but how many wins do they feel like to you? And is it a playoff competitive team yet? I don't think it's a playoff team. I think it's a six to seven win team. Without without having really, really dug into the schedule, I think it's a six to seven win team. I think that lands them in third or fourth place. I think I think if Jordan Love's really bad, they could be in third place. I think if Detroit is Detroit, right? Like, I mean, we think Detroit's going in the right direction, but it would, like, surprise you if Detroit just automatically sucked again. No. Not, not really. No. Right? So it's possible they could they could be in third if one of those two things happen, right? Love, love's bad or Detroit's Detroit. But it feels like a fourth-place team to me. It feels like a 6-7 win team, a fourth-place team. And there's going to be a ton of 6-11, and 7-10, 8-9, and 9-8 teams in this division. Like, they're all going to – I don't think there's any awful teams – I don't think there's a team that separates and wins 12 games. And to be fair, I think we still need to see more from Justin Fields before we can get like an accurate read on him. Yeah, I'm you not saying I mean? I'm out it's, on him. I'm just saying yeah. it, I'm pointing out the obvious. He's got to be better. Like he, he just has to be better. He 100% has to be better. But <clears throat> everybody that's either 100% rolling him out now or 100% saying he's going to be fantastic and be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, like you need a bigger sample size. Yeah, you absolutely need a bigger, bigger sample size. And now, and I think this is what, the, the new GM's been doing, it's like, we got to get him talent to see if he could play. Right? Like, if you keep surrounding him with no talent, you have no idea if he can really play. Right? Now that he has a legitimate receiving core, a good backfield, an improving offensive line, like, this is the time. Like, you got you to gotta do it. Yeah, you're, They're going to get their answer on him by Thanksgiving. Yeah, you're either going to find out now or that it's going to work, or you're going to be drafting a quarterback yeah, in the next year. Or yeah, two. or 10 games in, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Do you think they move off him already? So, say he comes out and he's horrific this year. Halfway through the season, they're, they're it's just bad. Two and eight, three and you know, three and eight somewhere. Are they taking trying to draft? Is it going to be a race between Arizona and Chicago? I don't know and if they like anybody else. I don't think they tank. No, because a, a young quarterback can make steps week to week and, and month to month to put him on the right trajectory. And you know, what if they're three and eight? He goes out and wins six straight, and uh, you know they're going into next year, you know, riding a little bit of a high. So I don't think they tank. But I think they could very seriously start having conversations with the building that they need to move off Justin Fields, yes. Okay. It's going to be cool. I, don't I can't we'll wait. See. NFL season is rapidly approaching. And, I'm so excited. And uh, being I'm able so to excited. watch that all unfold is going to be Scott Hansen and me are going to about fantastic. rekindle our intimate relationship on Sundays. Me I'm and, very excited. Me and my buffalo chicken dip is about Cannot to rekindle wait. a relationship. I can't wait. Oh. Um, it's going to be good. Guys, that is all we have for you for this week. So make sure you're going to the website, theissuesports.com. Um, check out all the information we have over there. Follow all the social medias. And make sure you're following the Players Only Podcast now. It is at Players Only Podcast on Instagram and at Players Only Pod on TikTok. All the links, like usual, can be found in the description of the episode. And you can also go over and check it out. It now has its own page over on the website. So, Guys, we will see you back here next Thursday, and that was The Issue.